five Fridays in one month? What will they think of next? In any case, did you get enough showers this April? And could someone please remind me what May is for? I've lost my handbook of trivial facts that pepper up most installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that strives to bring something of relevant importance each and every time. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the Virginia Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee deals a mortal blow to Governor Yunkin's gas tax holiday. A quick look at the commercial and retail market in the Charlottesville area. The spring running of the Foxfield races is tomorrow. And a lawsuit is filed against the city of Charlottesville alleging violations of the Freedom of Information Act. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, it's springtime, and one Patreon subscriber wants you to know that the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is a grassroots initiative of motivated citizens, volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. This spring, the group is working with retailers across the region to encourage purchase of plants that belong here and are part of an ecosystem that depends on pollination. There are plenty of resources on the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page, so sign up to be notified of lectures, plant sales, and more. A pair of activists and a journalist have filed suit against the city of Charlottesville, seeking the release of documents they claim should be made available through the Freedom of Information Act. Attorney Jeff Fogel filed a petition Thursday in Charlottesville Circuit Court on behalf of Tanisha Hudson, Cherry Hanley, and Dave McNair, who submitted two separate requests for information. One was on March 24, 2022. Here's a section from the petition. For the years 2020 and 2021, all records concerning the settlement of claims of police misconduct or other violation of constitutional rights by the city or any of its employees, whether or not the claim was filed in an administrative or judicial agency. A second request was submitted on April 4th, which, among other things, sought the release of all records concerning the settlement of claims of police misconduct. The petition includes two exhibits of the results, which contain many redactions. Fogel argues that not all of the information was privileged under state law, and that five settlement documents should have been made available as part of the FOIA request. Here's another section from the petition, paragraph 27. The above violations of the FOIA Act by defendant, City of Charlottesville, deprives not only petitioners, but every citizen of the community and other interested persons the rights granted to them under the provisions of the FOIA Act. Paragraph 28 argues that the city's policy of requiring non-disparagement clauses as part of settlement agreements is a violation of a person's First Amendment rights. The petition seeks an opinion on that interpretation. Exhibit A includes redacted correspondence between lawyers hired by both the city and former city manager Daron Richardson. Richardson filed suit last year in federal court alleging that the city violated the terms of a non-disparagement clause related to his departure from the city in September of 2020. Richardson withdrew from the case in a filing of voluntary dismissal on March 8th. 
Former Charlottesville Mayor Nakia Walker sought information, and City Attorney Lisa Robertson responded in a March 9th email. She said that as the city's insurer, the Virginia Risk Sharing Association has the authority to settle a case, and the attorney appointed to represent City Council dealt with Dr. Richardson's attorney, and that no city funds are being paid out. Walker had wanted more information on how the suit came to be dismissed. The former mayor had been named as a party in Richardson's case, as had former city attorney John Blair. However, they were never assigned an attorney to the case because Richardson never served any of those individuals with the suit. It's time again for the annual spring running of the Foxfield Races. That means that Garth Road in Albemarle County will be closed between Barracks Farm Road and Free Union Road between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. tomorrow. Here's an email from the Albemarle County Police Department. Anyone not attending the event should avoid the area. Keep in mind, heavy traffic delays should be expected until 5.30 p.m., even after the roadway reopens. This will be the first spring races since Foxfield has updated its policies on alcohol. Vehicles that park in tailgating spaces are only permitted two-fifths of hard liquor, three bottles of wine, and three six-packs of beer, seltzer, or cider. Those who drive in are permitted to leave their vehicles at the races for 48 hours after their conclusion. Those with tickets for what's known as the New Orange area are not allowed to bring in any alcohol at all, but can purchase from approved vendors. Several years ago, there was an attempt to sell the property that resulted in a lawsuit. Now, as part of the settlement, parts of the property are now under a conservation easement. A major real estate company that specializes in commercial space has published its latest report on the Charlottesville market. Cushman Wakefield Tallheimer begins with an overall assessment of the economy. After experiencing its highest unemployment rate on record of 10.2% in April 2020, Charlottesville employment has rebounded to near pre-pandemic levels of more than 116,000 people. The vacancy rate for office space is at 9%, but some of that is related to the placement of 359,000 square feet of space in the former State Farm headquarters on the market for rental. Recently constructed space is also beginning to fill in. Here's another section from the report. Apex Plaza delivered in the first quarter with a total of 187,000 square feet, home to Apex Clean Energy and the Southern Environmental Law Center, among other tenants. The report also notes that the code building is coming online with co-working space and traditional offices. The price to rent those spaces is also increasing. Overall, market rates reached north of $26 per square foot, an historic high, and downtown Class A office rents are averaging north of $35 per square foot. The retail report notes that more than 155,000 square feet of retail space have been built since 2020, and more is on the way. Projects like Albemarle Business Campus and Brook Hill Town Center will bring continued growth to the market, delivering office and residential opportunities, as well as restaurant and retail spaces, which are now pre-leasing. The average asking rent for retail is $19.04 per square foot. As for residential properties, I'll be posting an anecdotal review of transactions early next week. 
paid subscribers will get the first look before that content will go over to Information Charlottesville. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second and third subscriber-supported shout-outs, Preservation Piedmont wants you to know about this Saturday's premiere of Raised, Raised, a film by filmmaker Lorenzo Dickerson and Jordi Yeager about the life and destruction of Vinegar Hill, one of the oldest African-American neighborhoods in Charlottesville. The Town Media production charts the lives of residents over nearly a century as they built prosperity in the face of racially discriminatory policies at every level. The film will be shown outdoors at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center at 8 p.m. Tickets are available on the center's website with donations to be divided between seven black-led organizations. Visit jeffschoolheritagecenter.org to learn more. And in the third subscriber-supported shout-out, on Sunday, May 1st, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., a pair of interested e-bike owners in town will be bringing their bikes to Mead Park, and anybody who's interested in trying them out can stop by, ask questions, and take test rides. They will have some e-bikes with seats for children. If you're going to go, there is a link in the newsletter, and they have requested you drop them a line in advance. When Virginia legislators went to Richmond Wednesday to respond to Governor Yunkin's 26 vetoes and dozens of proposed amendments related to the official 2022 General Assembly session, a Virginia Senate committee met to consider one of the only policy bills in the special session that's currently underway. The Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee voted 12 to 3 on a motion to waive a bill to halt the motor fuel tax for a three-month period. Chair Janet Howell said what Yunkin calls surplus funds are intended to pay for new infrastructure. In 2020, the General Assembly made significant efforts to provide long-term bipartisan transportation funding solutions, and this included a two-year phased increase in gas taxes. Howell said the bill, HB 6001, would reduce available funding for new transportation projects and maintenance by around $437 million. I also want to emphasize that other approaches supported by the Senate, such as the tax rebate check or a refundable earned income tax credit, would likely be more effective options in providing relief to our citizens. Senator Stephen Newman, a Republican from the 23rd District, said the bill is intended as an emergency measure given the growth in inflation. Over the last 12 months, the CPIU has increased by 8.5%. Let me say it again, 8.5%, the largest 12-month increase since 1981. In 2020, when the omnibus bill that the chairman spoke about was passed, the CPU was 1%. Newman said the average price of gasoline was $2.42 a gallon when the bill was passed, an amount that has increased to over $4 a gallon. He disputed the claim that maintenance programs will be affected by the three-month waiver. couple acronym alerts here. Six-Year Improvement Program is SIP, and VDOT is the Virginia Department of Transportation. 
In comparison to past uh, SIPs, VDOT's construction program remains uh, overfunded by over $600 million. Senator Richard Saslaw, a Democrat from the 35th District, said he didn't think any money available for transportation should be taken away at this time. My eyes are lying to me, but the condition of the roads in Northern Virginia, and I can't speak for the rest of the state, are the worst they have seen in the 42 years that I've been in office. SAS Law described Braddock Road as a secondary road that carries 80,000 vehicles a day. It looks like they have driven tanks up that road. I have never seen roads torn up to the degree that they were. And when we left the session in March, on my way home, I hit a pothole. Saslaw said that cost him $300 to get fixed. The 12 votes to defeat the bill included Republican Senator Emmett Hanger, a Republican from the 24th District. A couple of very quick things to end the show today. For the past few months, I've been trying to keep track of a federal lawsuit seeking a House of Delegates election in 2022. That would be a year off of the regular schedule. And if that happens things would have to move very quickly. If you've not followed this case, I highly recommend reading Graham Muma's article posted today on the Virginia Mercury that goes in-depth into what could be a historic election. There's a link in the newsletter. Share it with as many people as you can. And to close up the show today, following up with something from a previous story this month. Earlier this month, the Department of Motor Vehicles reported that Virginia hit a 14-year high in traffic fatalities in 2021, and that the state is on track to surpass that amount this year. Looking locally, there were 16 total fatalities on roads in Albemarle County in 2021, including on Interstate 64. Those were among 968 people killed on roadways in Virginia last year. There have been two deaths in Albemarle on roads so far this year. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 29th, 2021. Now, the big question you probably wonder is, when's the next one of these things going to come out? Good question. Could very well come out tomorrow, but realistically, it's going to come out on Monday. I have to do a lot of work this weekend on getting together those property transactions. And of course, there is the week ahead, which will come out on Sunday, Uh, hopefully early Sunday, because there's a baseball game in Lynchburg I might go see. And you should consider going to. It is Friday and of course it is the fifth one of the month. We will be back all next week with more installments. If you would like to help keep this thing going, this is the end of the month. There are several ways you could do that. I'm going to pitch Patreon today. Patreon is a great way you can keep in touch with what's happening on Town Crier Productions. Sometime in the next 24 hours, I'm going to give a full update on what is happening with this crazy work that I'm doing. Uh, and of course, it also there are several different tiers. Go and look at patreon.com slash Sean Tubbs. Thanks for listening. And please do share this with more people so we can continue growing the audience so I can continue to bring you more and more programs. I'm Sean Tubbs. And in the This time, stay listening and stay informed and stay alert for the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.